Today's teaching is the last message in the series, Friendology. We hope you've learned a lot in the past few sessions. In this week's teaching, Pastor Randy's message is entitled, That's What Friends Are For. So open up your Bibles and tune in. Friendology. We're getting into part three, our final part, because next week is Resurrection Sunday. Today we're looking at the theme, that's what friends are for. What are friends for? We're going to learn a little bit about what friends are, are for. And uh, before we get into that, just want to, want to remind you, the word ology at the end of any word just pretty much means a study of. And so um, we're studying friends because it's, uh, uh, I believe, that's what Jesus did, and we can just follow that example. So welcome to uh, Palm Sunday. Of course, this is the... Uh, the week that we remember and read in Scripture how Jesus rode into Jerusalem and the events that took place that holy week many years ago literally changed the course of history. You know what I'm talking about? So uh, this week on Rising High, our radio ministry program, we're using the theme, This Changes Everything. I mean, uh, what happened that holy week about 2,000 years or so ago changed everything. It changed our past. Why? Because we're forgiven because of the cross. Amen? It changed our present because we get to be in the presence of the Lord. And it changes our future because we have eternity waiting for us in heaven. Amen? What happened that Holy Week changed everything. Amen. Amen. Well, Proverbs 18. For now, we're going to talk about friendology, uh, the third part, because... I'm encouraging you to connect with people, invite people, tell somebody about Jesus, and uh, because this is what we're called to do. Proverbs 18.24 says this, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Amen? Father God, thank you that we have the privilege of being in the awesome presence of our mighty God. And we thank you, Lord, that as we gather together, we know that you desire to speak to your people. So now, Lord, we prepare our hearts, we prepare our ears, we prepare our spirit, we prepare our souls, Lord God, to receive what you want to speak into our lives even today. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of even being here, and we pray your Holy Spirit's anointing upon the teaching of your word. Amen. You may be seated. Welcome, students, to Friendology 101. This is class number three in our final part. And uh, well, it's a quick review for the first two sessions and lectures we've had. I'm making it sound like a university, huh? We defined what the word friend is according to the dictionary. So as a word, a quick review, a friend, according to the dictionary, is defined, number one, as a person attached to another by feelings of affection or personal regard. Number two, a friend is a person who gives assistance, a patron or supporter. And number three, a friend is a person who is on good terms with another, a person who is not hostile. I like that. That's what the dictionary says, huh? Okay. And so we're learning about friendology because uh, the study of friends because we were made for relationships. Whether we realize it or not, 
We were made for friendships and relationships. One of the things I've been encouraging you to do is create what we call a Matthew list. And a Matthew list is a simple list of individuals that you know, people you rub shoulders with, who need to turn their life over to Jesus Christ. They need Jesus. They need a Lord and Savior. And the first thing we can do is pray for them. And I've asked you this question. Uh, Many of you are sitting in here today because somebody was praying for you. Amen? Somebody was praying for you. So wouldn't it be great if you can pray for somebody else? And maybe you can make a list of 10 people that you can be praying for so that there would come a time that they would surrender their life over to Jesus Christ. Now, the other thing we do, we list the people on our Matthew list, not just to pray that they'd come to Christ, but also we can pray for opportunities for us to, to, to see that door open so that we can have that opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ with that person. Rebecca Pipart, in her book, Out of the Salt Shaker, love this book, recently read it, she said this, I pulled this quote from her, she says, evangelism is, a mo- is most effective when it declares God's truth, displays Christ's love, depends on God's spirit, and points to God's power. I love that. So one of the things we want to, as a church, is to prepare you to do, equip you to do, is to bring people to the Lord. So we have regular invite cards that you can invite anybody to church any, any day of the week of, or the year. But then we also have the Easter invite cards, and these look like this. And these are available that you need, we need to give away this week because Resurrection Sunday is this Sunday. So uh, we have these available at the Connection Hub and also in the foyer. But in addition to that, we also have uh, evangelism cards, uh, tracts, so that you can also give the good news of Jesus Christ and tell somebody about Jesus, a great conversation starter about uh, their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to equip you for that. Okay, let's get to our topic. Friendology That's what friends are for. Hopefully you have a friend or two or three or four. As we learned earlier a couple weeks ago, the average person now only has two people that they consider close friends in their life. Well, what are we talking about? If we look at the Old Testament, we see an example of how God has always wanted friendships and relationships with us. We read that Adam walked in the Garden of Eden in the cool of the day. That word walk is a Hebrew idiom that literally means relationship. That God had a relationship with Adam. We also see in the New Testament this picture of friendships and relationships. Jesus could have ministered to a multitude of people during his years of ministry. But what did he do instead? He chose 12 men to be his friends, to be his disciples, so that he could hang out with them and spend time with these 12 And that's what he chose to do. Then amongst the 12, there was three of those 12 who he was a little bit closer to. You know what I'm talking about? So does it mean that he was uh, dissing those other nine? No, he needed a few guys who he was closer to. Peter, James, and John. You know the story. He would hang out with them a little bit more, spend a little bit more time, give a little more attention to these three guys. So don't, don't get mad when a leader has certain people that he or she is close to and not close to everybody else. But even from those three, 
Scripture says that there's one of those three that was his beloved. You know who I'm talking about? John was his beloved. He had a close friend, John the Beloved. And so today we see, well, what can we learn about friendology? So let's take a look at one of the best friendship stories in the Bible. It's found in 1 Samuel 18. It's a friendship between David and Jonathan. Now, let me set the stage for those of you who may not know this story. Saul was a king of Israel. Saul had a son named Jonathan. David, excuse me, David, through the prophet Samuel, was anointed to be the future king. And at first, Saul was okay with this. But then, Saul started getting jealous of David. Because David started having success after success after success. So Saul started getting jealous. And in fact, it got to the point that Saul wanted David killed. That's pretty jealous. I mean, that's a lot. But yeah, that's exactly what he wanted. He wanted to get rid of David because after all, David was a threat to his throne. So Saul started to do things to literally get after David and kill him. David found himself going from cave to cave, hiding uh, from Saul. And, um, but one of the things that I take note of is Saul had a plan to kill David, but how many know God had a greater plan? And whose plan always prevails? Man's plan or God's plan? God's plan. So God had a plan to sustain David and to protect David. And so one of the things that God did, believe it or not, to sustain David during these difficult times of running for his life is God sent David a BFF, a best friend. And his friend, his name was Jonathan. So we're going to learn about this friendship between Jonathan and David. Lesson number one, there's a number of lessons we can learn. Lesson number one is this. True friendship is is built on commitment and vulnerability. True friendship is is built on commitment and vulnerability. Okay? Let's go back to point number one. Okay? There we go. So let's read from 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse number one. And scripture says this. And David had finished talking with Saul. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan had become one in spirit with David. And he loved him as himself. Some people may have a, a, a problem with the way it says that Jonathan loved David. Verse 2. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off his robe and he was wearing that he was wearing, and he gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Now we see here two things that take place about this unique friendship between Jonathan and David. And I want to investigate because two things stand out to me. And that's why I put true friendship is based on commitment and vulnerability. First of all, it says that Jonathan made a covenant with David. Now, most of us understand what covenant is all about, that you're going to stick to that relationship. You're not going to leave that person's side. This is what covenant is all about. God exemplifies what covenant relationship is all about. And we can also have that not just with God, but with other people. Every time we break the bread and take the cup, what do we do? We are initiating covenant, or rather responding Better word, better said, responding to the covenant that God initiated with us through his son, Jesus Christ. 
So we respond to that by taking communion. We're in covenant relationship with the Lord. We're not going to leave the Lord. The Lord's not going to leave us. Jonathan was made a covenant with his friend David. I'm not going to leave by your side. So we pretty much understand what this covenant is all about. It's, it's about commitment. But the second part is a little bit unique. Scripture says that Jonathan took off his robe, took off his tunic, gave David his sword, his uh, shield, his bow, and what else? His sword, bow, and his belt. Okay? So we see that that's kind of unique. What, what is, what's up with that? What's up with that? And, and, and I want you to understand, first of all, that Jonathan and David were warriors. They were warriors. And whenever a warrior lets down his bow, his armor, his spear, his shield, his belt, and puts it down, he becomes vulnerable. Am I right? He becomes vulnerable. But Jonathan said, David, to prove that I want to be your friend, I'm going to become vulnerable to you. He took off his tunic. What did he do? He opened up to David. He opened up to David. And that's what best friends do. They are vulnerable. They open up. Hey, this is what's going on. They make themselves vulnerable. Hey, this is what I'm dealing with. This is my shortcomings. These are my faults. These are my failures. I'm an open book to you. That is true friendship. True friendship, we learn from Jonathan David, is built on commitment and vulnerability. What a great picture of friendship that sometimes we bypass. And by the way, it reminds me about what happened about 2,000 years ago from a man named Jesus. He went to the cross. His arms were stretched. His legs were stretched. Probably the only thing he had was around his waist. Nothing on his chest or back. He was vulnerable because he wanted to be your friend. He opened up his body so that he could be your friend. True friendship is built on commitment and vulnerability. <clears throat> okay, let me, let me talk to the ladies just a minute so you guys just listen in, okay? You can just, just hang out for a second here. Okay, let's just say, ladies, that you, I'm gonna, I want to show you what I'm talking about here. Let's just say, you ladies, you, you meet this, this other lady who comes in, and, and let's just say she looks nice. Her hair is perfect. Her makeup is absolutely stunning. Her kids are perfect, never give any problems. They're well-behaved. She's always smiling. She's always happy. And your response, ladies, is, oh, I hate her. <laughs> Why? Because she's got everything going on. Things that you wish you had going on. Oh, I hate her. That's just the way it is. But then let's just say, next time you run into her, she sits down and you start... And you start chatting, and then she starts sharing about her marital issues. Then she starts talking about how insecure she is in life, and how things at work are falling apart, and how she can barely pay the bills. She opens up to you. 
And after a while, you start connecting with her. You start crying because you can identify with what she's dealing with, and now you love her. Same lady. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? What changed? She became vulnerable. She opened up to you, and a friendship began. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. True friendship is built on commitment and vulnerability. But if we build up these walls, oh, I'm not letting you into my area. I'm not going to let you know what's going on in my life. I'm not going to have friends. I'm sorry about that. But we learned this from Jonathan because um, Jonathan knew what true friendship was all about. Friendology 101. I'm going to give you a, free, a few Friendology 101 lessons. Here's the first one. You may impress people with your strengths, but you befriend people through your weaknesses. Mm, I'm going to say that one more time. You may impress people with your strengths, but you befriend people through your weaknesses. I love going to our men's connect groups, and I, I, I just love talking to men, and I love that. Some of you men that are in here today, I know some of your deepest, darkest secrets, Yeah. And you know some of my deepest, darkest secrets. And guess what? What says, what's said in the men's connect group stays in the men's connect group. And I don't care if you give me a year's supply, blue bell, chocolate chip ice cream. I'm not going to tell you anything about these men because I love them. I care about these men, okay? <clears throat> they become vulnerable to me. I become vulnerable to them. And this is what friendship is all about. Okay, enough about ice cream. Let's move on. Lesson number two from Jonathan David. True friendships are based on an ahava kind of love. Ahava, what is that? Somebody say ahava. We read in 1 Samuel 18, 3, it says, And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. What? Jonathan loved David now in our 2019 vernacular is it kosher to even for a guy to even tell another guy i love you you know the world says no but what does god say it's okay the world says big boys don't cry i think we can cry the world says oh don't tell another man that you love him yeah we can doesn't god tell us that, that uh, he loves us don't we tell god that we love him now, I've taught you before, and I'm not going to take a lot of time here, that, that the word love in English is pretty broad. It encompasses a lot. But then in the Greek, you see that we, we, you take things, there's different words in the Greek to describe per, certain parts or aspects of love, okay? So, in fact, let me show you right here. There's three Greek words. One of them is eros, and, and that is more of a romantic, sensual love. Phileo is a Greek word that's more of a brotherly or friendship kind of love. And then you have the word agape, which is a deep sacrificial love. That's the kind of love that God has for you and I. It's a sacrificial love. You know what I'm talking about? So you've probably heard me teach on that quite a bit. Now, what I haven't taught a whole lot about is the Hebrew side, because likewise, now how many know the New Testament was primarily written in Greek? The Old Testament was primarily written in Hebrew. And in the Hebrew language, which is what we're studying right now from 1 Samuel, we read that Jonathan loved David. But we also, we need to take the word love in the Hebrew into context. 
in the Hebrew language, there are three words for love as well. First, there is the romantic sensual love, sensual love and that's called dod. That's the Hebrew word dod. And then you have the friendship or brotherly type of love. That's the word raya in Hebrew. And then you have the deep sacrificial love in Hebrew. It's the word ahava. Somebody say ahava. And that's our goal. Now, I got to tell you that when some, sometimes when people read this passage in 1 Samuel 18, and sometimes people, you know how sometimes people want to twist the scriptures around? I got to tell you, I've heard time and time again that people identify this friendship between David and, and Jonathan as homosexual. Okay? I don't know if you've ever heard that. I've heard that many times. Oh, yeah, they try to, to twist the scriptures around and say, oh, this is an example of homosexual love. No, it isn't. All you got to do is look up the scripture. If this was a homosexual kind of love, in the Hebrew, it would use the word dod as a romantic, sensual love that they had for each other. But that's not the Hebrew word that is used here. The Hebrew word that is used here is ahava. It's a deep, sacrificial love, the kind of love that God has for you and I. So if somebody tries to paint this picture of David and Jonathan as homosexual, there's a Greek word for that, and it's called baloney, okay? It's, it's not, okay? I'm just telling you what the Bible says, okay? I'm just telling you what the Bible says, okay? So hopefully we learned a little lesson about love today. And by the way, since we're on this topic, it's my opinion that a marriage needs to have all three, Dod, Raya, and Ahava. I, I, I think there need, it needs to do that. In fact, uh, <clears throat> I read recently about a study that was done, and marriage experts have said that the single most important aspect of marriage is the level of friendship between the husband and the wife. In fact, let me ask you a question. Since you're in Friendology 101, here's your question, your, your t- pop quiz, okay? Next slide. Question is, a wife's satisfaction with the sex, romance, and passion in her marriage is what percentage dependent on the quality of the friendship that she has with her husband, friendship in her marriage? Anybody want to take a guess? How much is all that dependent on the friendship? You know, anybody want to? Okay, man, it's wide range, okay? Actually, the correct answer is 70%. So, in other words, uh, the wife, I mean, it is more than half of what the influence on her sex, romance, and passion is influenced by the connectedness that she has with her husband as a friend, okay? Now, let me go a step further because let's compare the wife and the husband. Now, let's look at the husband's side. The next question is the husband's satisfaction with sex, romance, and passion in his marriage is what percentage dependent on the quality of of the friendship that he has in his marriage with his wife. Uh, what is that? Anybody want to take a guess? Okay. Based, uh, okay, based on the fact that the, for the women it was 70%. Anybody want to guess what the... Okay, the correct answer after the experts did this study is this. 70%. Exactly the same. What does that tell you? That men need relationship as well. So... It's just that maybe we just aren't expressive like the women are. So you men, you tell me you're not as, as 
connected? Yes, you are. You just not, don't admit it. You just don't admit it, okay? We men were built for relationships as well. Do I hear an amen from the ladies, right? All right. It, it, it's, it, it's, yeah, this is what the study says, okay? Yeah, it, that's just the way it is. And so that friendship is so, so important. We tend to think that marriage and romance, uh, that marriage is romance with a little bit of friendship added in. But the truth is this, a good marriage is friendship with some romance added in. Hmm. Yeah, I remember when, uh, before Brenda and I dated, as boyfriend and girlfriend, we, we friend dated, yeah. Yeah, because well, I, you know, and, and she was saying, okay, uh, after a while, after like six months, okay, when are we going to quit this friend dating, huh? <laughs> but we, we got to know each other. And then that's what our relationship was built on. By the way, <clears throat> we've got a new marriage connect group. It's a great time to tell you about it. Thursday night, 7 o'clock, you're welcome to come. It's called Making Marriage Work, Thursdays at 7 p.m., room 201. It's a study by Dr. Les and Leslie Perot, and it's, once again, Thursday, 7 o'clock, room 201, and it's led by Elder Pete and his wife, Sonia Villarreal, and it's our Making Marriage Work Marriage Connect group. Just want to throw that out to you. If you enjoy those statistics, uh, you can be one of those statistics, all right? A good one. Lesson, Friendology 101, a friend is someone you let in to the secret places of your life. That's what a friend is, okay? And that's what a husband and wife, you, you let into the secret places of your life. Because nobody, nobody knows me like my wife. And hopefully I can say nobody knows Brenda like I know her. Because we've let each other into the secret places of our life. A friend is one who can tell it like it is. There are times when you need a friend to reveal your blind spots. Hey, buddy, your breath stinks. Sometimes we need somebody to tell us that, right? Proverbs 27.6 says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. With a friend nearby, cookie monster, open the cookie jar and turn it upside down. One chocolate chip cookie, only one dropped onto the counter. He grabbed it and raised it toward his mouth, but then he glanced at his friend's sad eyes, and so he paused and sang a song. Sometimes me think, what is friend? Maybe friend's somebody you give up last cookie for. Then in a moment of sacrificial love for his friend, Cookie Monster handed the last cookie to his friend, and when she offered to share the cookie with him, he said, no, 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 friend, eat cookie. <laughs> Great lesson from Cookie Monster, amen? Even though now you're hungry for a cookie, huh? Number three, what lesson can we learn from David and Jonathan? True friendships are based on the foxhole principle. The foxhole principle, what is that all about? Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. I kind of look at it this way with with two friends together and God, hey, cannot easily be broken, but two can defend themselves. What is a foxhole principle? Well, the U.S. Marines, I've heard, uh, have oftentimes teach this, learn to dig a foxhole big enough for you and a friend. See, in war, a foxhole is a small pit that is created to fire from. It's part of a defensive strategy in battle. Life is a battle. We are constantly in a battle. 
And your battles, my battles, would be a whole lot easier if you had someone to fight with you. You may have many friends, but foxhole friends are few. Do you have someone in your life who would go to battle on your behalf? Friendology 101 lesson, foxhole friends double life's joys and have life's sorrows. The University of Virginia did a study. They took 34 students, and they took them down to the bottom of a very steep hill, and they gave each of these 34 students a weighted backpack to carry up and walk up this steep hill. Now, here's what they were studying. They told, they told uh, one-third of them to walk up all by themselves. And then the other two-thirds, they said, you guys together find a friend and walk up together this steep hill. And at the end of this study, they asked them, okay, can you rate how steep that hill was? How difficult was that hill to climb? And the studies were kind of unique. Every one of the students that walked up the hill by themselves rated the steepness of the hill higher than any of the students who walked up the hill with a friend. Now, the hill was the same. It just seemed steeper because they were walking it by themselves. And further response proved that the closer of a friend the students had to walk with them, the less steep the hill seemed. We need those foxhole friends. C.S. Lewis once said, Is any pleasure on earth as great as a circle of Christian friends by a fire? Five-year-old Tracy asked her mom if she could go play to her ne- with her next-door neighbor. And her mom says, yes, as long as you're back home by 6 p.m. Well, 6 p.m. 6 p.m. came, and Tracy was not home yet. And mom waited and waited and waited. Finally, about 6.25, little Tracy came through the front door. Mom was mad. Tracy said, I'm sorry I'm late, Mom, but my friend's doll broke right before I was going to leave. Mom said, okay, I see. So I suppose you were helping her fix her doll. Tracy said, no, Mom, I was helping her cry. People who climb down into your foxhole see things from your point of view. And they will have empathy for what you were going through. Foxhole friends will love you unconditionally. Number four, true friendships help you reach your potential. Proverbs 17, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. A true friend will share with you what he has learned in life. A true friend will share with you his or her failures, his or her faults. A true friend will help you grow to be the person God called you to be. Now, i got to tell you, when David was anointed to be the future king of Israel, what was one of the first things that God did for David? Did God send David to a certain university? No. Did God send David to another city? No. Did God send David to uh, encounter a new business venture? No. 
one of the first things that God did for David to prepare him for this life ahead and the challenges that were awaiting him, God sent David a friend. And his name was Jonathan. God knew that David needed someone to encourage him. God knew that David needed someone who would identify with him, fight for him, fight with him, and win with him. Friendology 101. You were made for friendships, but more importantly, friendships make you. So I ask you, do you have someone in your life who encourages you? If you don't, then you need a friend or two. So how do you go about getting a friend like that? Here's how you begin. You become a friend like that. You be a friend to someone else. You start by encouraging someone. You start by lifting them up. You start by praying for them. You become a friend sometimes by even crying with them. And we're going to get that opportunity in just a minute. But for right now, I close by telling you about a friend, my best friend, who will never let you down. I've had this friend in my life for 46 years, and he's never let me down. He encourages me. He loves me. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. And because of this friend of mine, I am reaching my potential in life. And this friend has an Ahava kind of love. So deeply committed to me that he died for me. In fact, he died for you as well. My friend's name is Jesus. And you will never find a friend like him. And I wonder, do you know him? You were made for friendships, but more importantly, friendships make you. We hope that you enjoyed this three-part message series called Friendology. Um, we hope that you've taken this opportunity to write down your Matthew list, make a list of people in your life that need Jesus that you could pray for, um, have the courage to talk with your coworkers and your friends about Jesus, um, have these authentic and real relationships, all the things that Pastor Ernie's talked about in this series. We hope that it applies to you and you've made it apply to your life uh, this week and this month. Well, next week is Easter weekend gearing up for the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, celebrating that. We hope to see you this Sunday if you could make it at Fortress Church at 9.15 or 11 a.m. We'll see you there. God bless.